let me tell you about kind of my craziest insurance story. Um, one of my clients, um, which obviously I can't say names, but we insured a property. Um, there was an allegation of a p possible arson. Uh, fire occurred on or before New Year's Eve. We believe the claim was going to be in the two to three million dollar range, and it's been litigating for about two years now, and the number's north of 50 million. Welcome to the Trusted Partner Podcast, hosted by Jesse Kramer and Gabe Chodak. Jesse and Gabe are relationship managers at Cobblestone Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm that serves families and individuals in all aspects of their financial lives. All opinions expressed by Jesse and Gabe or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Cobblestone Capital Advisors. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Cobblestone Capital Advisors may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email with questions, suggestions, or content ideas to our email address, podcasts at cobblestonecap.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Trusted Partner Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Trusted Partner Podcast. Jesse Kramer here. Today we're welcoming Adrian Morgenstern onto the podcast. Adrian is the president and founder of Morgenstern Insurance Services in Rochester, New York. Adrian oversees all agency management functions as well as direct and outside sales for the firm. In today's conversation, Gabe, Adrian, and I discuss the importance of personal coverage beyond the typical home and auto insurance, how to think about risk in your life, and the difference between growing your wealth versus protecting your wealth. We also spend time talking about how business owners should protect themselves via insurance, whether liability coverage in case a customer slips on your floor, or fire insurance in case, as Adrian mentioned in the intro, there's a possible arson and many things in between. The world can be a risky place and insurance can provide a safety net. So let's dive into the conversation with Adrian Morgenstern here on episode 38 of the Trusted Partner Podcast. In our world, when we're working with wealth planning and working with families and individuals, uh, a large part of people's wealth is their investments, um, but that's not their only wealth. And there's other forms, whether it's real estate, art, everything else. And that's really where personal line insurance comes into play. Um, talk to us a little bit about what the basics are of personal line insurance? When people think of personal insurance, typically it's homeowners, auto, and possibly an umbrella policy. But outside of that, people don't consider uh, that they can insure a bourbon collection, they, can, can, they could insure their jewelry or fine arts. Right up my alley right away. <laughs> Let's talk about my bourbon collection. <laughs> So, Adrian, I mean, what kind of risks should people be thinking of? Or at least when I approach insurance, I think about it as this kind of risk-reward proposition where a lot of times in life there are risks that are kind of too big for us to absorb on our own or based on maybe our current asset base. And that's usually, to me, like this kind of blinking red light that, okay, insurance might be appropriate here. But what kind of like risk conversations do you have with people when they approach you with insurance questions? Well, it's a very good question, and it's – 
it's a difficult one to ask because you can always buy more insurance limits. It's really a, a, a level of comfort. And the real importance of personal insurance is that you don't have the same protections you do as having an entity such as an LLC or a corporation. So your risk is, or your liability is truly unlimited. So buying insurance for your individual risk is, is really just dependent on what your threshold is or your risk tolerance. When we, so when we talk about risk, right, we talk about auto insurance, so anything that happens in a car, home or renter's insurance, anything that happens in your personal domicile, and then umbrella insurance. Talk a little bit about umbrella. So the essence of an umbrella policy is it can provide you with additional liability limits above and beyond both your personal liability and your automobile liability. In addition to that, it could also be for watercraft liability. So if you're out boating, boating also goes along with drinking, um, you're providing a little bit more protection or higher limits of liability above and beyond whatever your underlying policy has. Are we required to have insurance? I know in New York State, you're required to have automobile insurance, correct? That's correct. Yeah. In, in New York State, you're required to have automobile liability insurance, but it's, it's pretty low. The threshold's pretty low. And that's why when we look at uh, our clients' needs, we also look at additional coverages because there's, there are people that will be on the road that either don't have insurance or carry the state minimums. Just walk me through what what can the impact be if I, I'm driving along and I get hit by someone who carries the state minimum, what could the ultimate impact to me be? If you don't have the appropriate coverage, you essentially would be, you'd be exposed to essentially minimum coverages, which would be 25000 Automobile insurance essentially isn't just for if I am the cause of an accident, it, it can very much cover me should someone else cause an accident but doesn't have proper coverage. Yeah, the, the traditional personal auto policy um, would provide coverage to third parties for bodily injury or property damage, and that's in essence automobile liability. But you can get a rider on that policy to pick up coverage for uninsured and underinsured motorists. And we would always recommend that you match liability coverages to those limits so that you're able to access the same amount of coverage that somebody else would be able to get from you under your policy. What are some other, I mean, common personal insurance types or, or just common risks that people insure against? I mean, okay, home, auto, I get that. I was looking on your website earlier and there's even, I think like uh, natural disasters or like earthquakes, or, you know, it, it seems like it's a really wide spectrum. Uh, we know that maybe most of our listeners are here, upstate New York area. What are some other things people should be thinking about? I mean, can I get like a slippery driveway insurance? Because my new house, very, very slippery driveway. Also, just to clarify, Jesse's listeners are local. Mine are worldwide. <laughs> so um, the situation that you described, Jesse, of a, a slippery driveway, that would fall underneath your liability for homeowners. So personal liability would pick up a situation like that. Um, some of the more intricate coverages could be um, if you had exposure to wind or you had a coastal property. Um, wind and hail could have separate coverages and separate deductibles. Um, if, you're, if you are in a uh, 
proximity to a body of water, you could have flood insurance. Um, it really kind of runs the gamut, but fortunately in upstate New York, um, snowstorms and ice are probably the worst that the worst of the mo- uh, that we get. Where should someone start when they are looking at I need insurance, right? I've seen some Geico ads on TV. I've seen the caveman. I've seen the lizard. You know, where do I even start? And then what questions do I ask to start getting down the path of making sure I have the right coverage for me? I would suggest reaching out to an agent such as ourselves to have a personal risk assessment. And really that is walking through your specific needs or helping identify your specific needs based on your specific characteristics. And whether it be you have children, whether you have multiple cars, um, really kind of runs the gamut. But the insurance buying process should not be the same approach to each and every person. So, you know, we have people that rent homes, we have people that own homes, we have people that have multiple homes. Um, Every every situation is unique. But but it sounds like, Adrian, I just see some parallel in some of the conversations that we have here at Cobblestone where it's important for the, the potential client to understand their own situation, to at least come prepared or, or to understand that they will need to have answers for these questions about what is going on in your life, right? What are your assets? What's your family like? What are your responsibilities, financial responsibilities or otherwise? Because a lot of those answers end up being things that might require some form of insurance. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of parallels between what you guys do and what we do in the sense you guys are helping people grow their wealth and grow their net worth. um, And we're trying to help them protect that. So we want to make sure that the exposure to financial loss is minimized through the transfer of risk via insurance contracts. What are some of the common mistakes you see people make at, at all stages of life, right? Because this is an ongoing process as your lives change and evolve, your insurance needs change. But what are, what are some of the common pitfalls or mistakes you see in personal insurance? Um, It's an interesting question. I think one of the most common uh, issues that we have seen are that people's coverages don't kind of keep up with what's going on in the marketplace. So a, a, a good example of that would be the replacement cost of your home or the cost of construction. So over the past few years, the cost of construction has spiked and people just assume that their insurance coverage will respond if there's an issue depending on how the policy was designed, would really depend on whether you're going to get a, a, an issue resolved completely or you're going to get a partial payment. Um, another big issue that we see is, um, is water backup. People assume that everything that happens at your house would be covered. If your sump pump fails and you've, your basement floods, typically there's a, either no coverage or a minimal amount of coverage that would protect you for that type of scenario. So on the first one, Adrian, um, what can people do to keep up with market prices in that case? Is there kind of like an annual renewal where on an annual basis, the size of the insurance policy can grow as the home price grows? Because I I just think about something like, say, a life insurance policy where it's a 30-year term. Well, what's the term, if so to speak, when it comes to like a homeowner's insurance? 
So homeowners insurance are typically annual policies. You might see auto policies that are six month in term, but generally one year is kind of the standard. Um, you should be having a review and a conversation with your agent um, at least 60 days before your renewal. That will help identify any sort of changes in your life, whether you had a, a child, bought a new car, have a new watch, whatever the case might be. It's an opportunity to flush out some of those things that maybe you forgot about. Did you guys have that conversation when you got your, your Mickey Mouse watch, Gabe? It wasn't a Mickey Mouse watch. It was an Apple watch. Oh, my mistake. It just had a Mickey Mouse face. I was just going to say, but the, the Mickey Mouse hands going around on it, I... I, I have no response. For once, I am speechless. So speaking of watches, right, that, that is a good point. I, I mean, what are the things that are generally covered in a normal policy? And then what are some of the items that you should really be thinking about additional coverage or separate specialized coverage? So the standard homeowner's policy will provide a sublimit or minimal coverage for things like fine arts or jewelry. That being said, it also generally limits the exposure or the loss to be occurred at the home. So meaning if somebody broke into your home and stole your diamond ring, it would be covered. But if you were outside of the home and you lost your ring or a piece of jewelry, it generally wouldn't be covered. So they, they create specialized coverages or specialized policies specific to jewelry that would apply worldwide. So if you had a sophisticated watch collection or a sophisticated jewelry collection, you'd be able to schedule those items or even blanket them, but you'd get much broader coverage if scheduled separately. When we think about home, auto, umbrella, Right. We, we know some of the names, right? Like we see Allstate, we see, uh, you know, Geico, some of the more household names. But how do people go about even choosing a carrier? And, and what's the difference between, uh, you know, someone who works for one of those specific institutions versus a, an agent or a broker? So it, that's exactly what it is. It's the difference between an agent and a broker. So a State Farm agent only represents State Farm. A broker would represent multiple carriers. So um, if you find the right broker, the broker can shop multiple carriers. They can access home, auto, umbrella, the whole nine. There are limitations when you work with an agent like State Farm, Geico. Is it beneficial then um, to kind of shop on an annual basis. I know especially kind of what you've referenced in terms of you know, costs going up pretty significantly for home replacements. I'm, I know that's been reflected in a lot of policy premiums. Is it worthwhile or advantageous for consumers to shop every year or what's the general theory around that? So general consensus would be to shop every few years or as needed. So you might have a, a number of auto claims where a carrier will no longer want to insure you or your price spikes. So that might be a specific situation in which you'd want to search for an alternative carrier. If you moved to a new home, and uh, that might be a good time to review what your carrier options are because coverage is not all designed the same. That sounds 
kind of like my experience, Adrian, you know, when we moved into a new house recently, we reached out to your colleague, Matt, and, and re-upped our insurance. Uh, we're expecting our first child in June. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know. Gabriel um, or Gabriel. <laughs> after, his, after his favorite. Yeah. It's his favorite podcast host. <laughs> uh, uh, but again, you know, that's going to prompt another conversation um, with Matt, even though I know, you know, in that case, it's life insurance. I know, you know, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but you tend not to work in life insurance. But still, Matt's got helpful thoughts on that front. So I like to pick his brain when it comes to that. Yeah. So it, it, when you have life events such as your family expanding, which is, you know, a blessing within itself. So, you know, again, congratulations. That, those are all times when you want to reevaluate what your approach to insurance is. While we don't sell life insurance, and we do believe in working with an expert in the field, um, we refer our, our life insurance opportunities to strategic partners that we think are, are experts in subject matter. So that would be a, a good time to not only look at life insurance, but also reevaluate the, your coverage needs. You do want to surround yourself with these trusted partners, and, and hypothetically, they should be working together. They should all have their expert areas, know enough about your situation where they can have helpful conversations so that things aren't slipping through the, through the cracks, right? And, and so it may be very much a, you know, understanding what your liabilities are and your risks are, and what you can afford within your financial situation, what, what kind of hit you might be able to afford in terms of a risk reward. So understanding even what a deductible should be set at. If you are working with your financial advisor and you know what your cash flow looks like and you know, you know, listen, if you know a $2,500 mistake happens, it's unfortunate, but we can cover that in our cash flow and so it's not really that big of an issue so that's an appropriate level for a deductible so it, you know it, it is critical that all these parts are talking yeah i think it's a it's a really good point gabe that um, having a strong team that brings expertise in their subject matter um, can really you know go a long way having a solid financial advisor having a good accountant having a good attorney having a good insurance broker can all kind of come full circle to protect you in kind of a holistic way. Is there advantage to going to one of those larger places um, and those larger names and having an agent or does something kind of get lost in the service level and, and how important is service in your personal insurance? So Gabe, it's a good question. Um, I feel like a lot of people that utilize the Geico's, the progressives, the state farms are looking for a quick and easy solution. So they want to go online, click a couple buttons and get a quote or possibly buying coverage. I think really what's lost is that personal touch and, and somebody walking you through the process of what's right for you as opposed to what's the easiest and the cheapest. Adrian, thanks for breaking down, I mean, all these, you know, personal insurance topics for us. But I understand that business insurance is a really large part of your practice and maybe even more of your specific specialty. Uh, whereas, you know, for me, at least I can I can relate to all the personal side, not as much to the business side. But let's let's cue up some of this business conversation. We know we have a lot of business owner clients and listeners. I mean, what are some of the common insurance types that you're dealing with on a regular basis with business owners? 
business insurance is a much larger portion of what we do on a day-to-day basis. Um, the coverages that we typically see or place for our clients are commercial property, uh, general liability, business auto, workers' compensation, umbrella insurance. Um, depending on what industry classes, there's more specific nuances such as employment practices, directors and officers. So some, some of those I think I can probably understand from the title alone. I mean, liability might be what? Like an employee or a client slips on the floor at Wegmans and they sue Wegmans, so Wegmans has liability coverage. Absolutely. What, maybe can you break down some of those other types for us with just a simple example of what the coverage is? Sure. So uh, general liability, uh, third-party coverage for bodily injury or property damage. Uh, commercial property is a first-party coverage. That would be if your property got stolen or damaged, and that would have to be due to a covered cause of loss, such as lightning, fire, wind, hail. Huh. Theft? I mean, is theft covered in... So depending on what type of theft, if it was financial, it might be covered under a crime policy. Um, so there's, again, there's specific coverages that really address specific needs. Is it pretty segregated in terms of different business types or business arenas and what coverage you definitely need to have? Yeah, so so the insurance carriers now have have enough data to to really specialize programs for each and every industry segment and almost every type of business. So the risks associated with a restaurant would be dramatically different than a risk associated with a real estate company. But each carrier has specific risk appetite and and creates a program that addresses that specific industry. And I suppose that this might be a place where being a broker has a real advantage only because are there specific insurance carriers out there that have a real niche and have a ton of knowledge about one specific industry? And, you know, we know everything about mechanics and garages, and we provide very specialized insurance needs for that type of service. And you as a broker, you can provide that insurance to your clients. Is, is that reasonable? Yeah, there, there certainly are care, uh, insurance carriers that, that specialize in specific coverages and specific industries. So there are some carriers that will only write workers' compensation, and there's other carriers that will write only property insurance. And then you have the Travelers, the Hartford of the world that, were, that are essentially generalists that will write pretty much every business outside of roofing, dynamite manufacturing, kind of the high hazard stuff. Is it then plausible to piecemeal together um, coverage from different places and do a lot of businesses do that? Or is it pretty much, you know, looking for a one-stop shop? So it's a good question. Um, there are different motivations to do such a thing. So from a, from a cost perspective, we might look to carve property insurance out from a, from a program or liability insurance out from a program and place it with a different carrier. So not entirely uncommon. Does it make it a little bit more cumbersome, simply paying bills? Absolutely. But um, you know there are some benefits of keeping coverages with a single carrier. I know we've been known to uh, bring up the sport of golf here on the podcast before. What about, you know, hole-in-one competition insurance? Is that a real thing? 
it, it is, but it's becoming less and less common. So if you notice from all of the golf that Gabe does and all of the tournaments that Gabe participates in, they no longer offer the million-dollar hole-in-one prize. You'll see now that they might offer a three-year lease on a car if you're getting very extravagant or a big-screen TV. It really varies dramatically. But the days of the million-dollar hole-in-one prize are essentially behind us. And there has to be real data behind that, meaning that people were either having more hole-in-ones than people anticipated because the, the premiums were so low for those types of things that you had to have hundreds, if not thousands, of tournaments where people weren't having a hole-in-one to essentially make those numbers work. Right. Because yeah. in essence, insurance, the premiums of many are paying for the claims of few. That's a, that's a great line. That's a great soundbite right there. Um, so that's a, a good direction to go and discuss a little bit. Are there certain areas that are no longer insurable or that insurance companies are pulling out of? I mean, we know, you know, Florida, for example, at least in the, you know, home policy or very restrictive, but are there other areas that we're seeing that, um, you know, both on the business and personal side where uh, in, insurers are kind of pulling out of the market? Yeah. Um, while most people think of Florida, or maybe we do because we're on the East Coast, uh, California is actually uh, substantially worse from an insurance perspective because they have, uh, they're exposed to pretty much every natural disaster possible. It could be a mudslide. It could be an earthquake. It could be forest uh, fire. Forest fire is a big one. Um, you know, a lot of insurance carriers are pulling out of that marketplace. Um, Florida is a little bit more unique because they're exposed to hurricanes and hurricanes seem to be occurring at a, at a higher rate or they're more frequent than maybe previously. Uh, the cost of damage has gone up substantially. So, um, you'll see that each and every hurricane is causing more and more damage, and it's almost irregardless of what, you know, it was a Category 4 or Category 5. So in that case, whether you're a business owner or you're just a homeowner, what do you do or what options are available if, you know, your carrier calls you or writes you a letter and says, we're no longer insuring you? So the best way that you can protect yourself if you're in a, if you have a home in Florida, essentially would be to make sure that you have hurricane rated windows and hurricane rated openings. Um, you essentially will put yourself into a preferred class where if insurance carriers are offering coverage, they want to insure the people that have uh, essentially the best line of defense against hurricane damage. And I think that some of your clients may or may not have experienced this, but the homes that were built, uh, call it pre-1980, um, that don't conform to current building codes during some of these hurricanes have been washed away or blown away for, for better terms. As you were walking in, you were on a very interesting phone call that we got to overhear a little bit of, but like, what is the craziest or you know, one of the craziest scenarios you've ever seen where it's like, wow, I'm really glad I had that insurance. 
let me tell you about kind of my craziest insurance story. Um, one of my clients, um, which obviously I can't say names, but we insured a property. Um, there was an allegation of a p possible arson. Uh, fire occurred on or before New Year's Eve. Um, we believe the claim was going to be in the two to three million dollar range, and it's been litigating for about two years now, and the number's north of fifty million. Just to to replace the the house. So what's a, where's, a, where's the fifty million a, come from? It was a from? commercial property, and it was undergoing kind of a facelift uh, in a in a ballroom. Uh, there was an allegation that uh, a disgruntled employee um, lit a couple rolls of carpet on fire, and the fire got so hot that it potentially melted some structural membranes. Carrier didn't agree with the assessment. Uh, the third-party fire adjuster is disputing that, and that's kind of the – there's a wide uh, – the two parties are, are very far apart in what they believe the total value of the claim is. But um, I've been doing this for 21 years. That is probably the craziest uh, story that I've, that I've been in, involved in. So it wasn't my car window when <laughs> my daughter left open the door as I was backing out of the garage? It was likely Gabe forgot to close the door when he put his golf clubs in the back. Allegedly. <laughs> um, I guess that, that is a good question, though. How often do claims go back and forth and do adjusters argue? And what kind of documentation should you have? And does it really matter? I mean, I will say from personal experience, the experience I've had with, um, you know, Hanover, who uh, Adrian has put me in, uh, in the two claims I've had, I mean, they have been phenomenal. For the most part, a, a claim should go smoothly, right? You should, when you, have a, when you have a loss or a claim, you should be documenting all of the damages and the expenses that you incur that are associated with that claim. Um, Unless there's some sort of funky scenario in between, there generally isn't really a back and forth, right? If, you, if your car's damaged, you take it to a body shop that is either approved by the carrier or you go and get two quotes and you come to some sort of agreement in between. Very, very, very few times is there an issue, at least on the personal side, where there's a dispute on the number. There are often disputes and negotiations on claims when it comes to commercial insurance, whether it be a, a, a property loss like a fire or a slip and fall, because carriers are scared to death of going to trial on a slip and fall claim or a bodily injury claim, because there's no rhyme or reason as to what the jury's going to do. And generally speaking, they're looked at as the big bad corporation. They have an endless amount of money. And the truth of the matter is when some crazy amount of money is awarded to an injured party, everyone over time is paying a little bit more because of that. Adrian, we usually end each podcast with a little story or tidbit of information so our listeners get to know us a little better. Um, so think on the topic of insurance, maybe we each share a, a quick, you know, personal insurance story where, where we've had to 
uh, deal with some insurance and kind of how that went. Um, similar to Gabe, I had a great experience uh, working with Hanover uh, on a claim. Um, I was doing a renovation of a bathroom, and someone else was doing the renovation. That's of the bathroom. correct. I yeah. was. I, I had you were... utilized a contractor <laughs> <laughs> to renovate a bathroom, and they didn't tighten the the water line uh, fully. And there was a slow drip that over time had had caused a noticeable heave in my hardwood flooring. Um, I had reached out to Hanover Insurance. Adjuster came out the next day with a with a portable printer and printed me the check on site, which I thought was quite unique and kind of, you know, it's something that will always sit with me. Like who shows up to your door with a, with a printer? The money printing machine. (laughs) The the opposite of that is Patty. (laughs) (laughs) She's the spending machine. (laughs) (laughs) What's yours, Gabe? What's your story? Um, Well, I would say, you know, Recently, um, again, there's still different sides of the story, but um, the the rear passenger door was open as I was backing out of the the garage. Um, it, it actually, I mean, quite the sound, glass everywhere. Um, kids were quite scared, um, but everyone was fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of complicated because there was door bent and it's still kind of difficult to get work done on cars and supply chain and labor uh, issues. Um, But Hanover was great. I mean, they covered everything. They walked through the process. They communicated directly with the um, with the auto shop and, uh, it was, it was fantastic. And I even, I thought it was a simpler fix at first. And so I went and bought, I was able to order a, a part that I thought would solve the issue and make it easy. And they reimbursed me for that as well, which was great. Well, my story is a health insurance story, and I know, Adrian, you guys do have a, a Morgan Stern benefit, so I think this is appropriate for the conversation we're having, a health insurance story. Just the process of, you know, we're expecting our, our first child in June. Uh, a couple months ago was open enrollment, and we've got, you know, bronze, silver, gold, platinum plans, and what's covered, what's not, what are the expenses going to be. Healthcare insurance can be a little convoluted where the healthcare provider doesn't want to tell you exactly what they're going to charge you. They point you to the insurer. The insurer tends to point you back to the healthcare provider, and it can be difficult sometimes as a client, but um, but the experts were involved, got the answers we needed, and uh, all is well until June, and then maybe all the numbers will change. Don't worry, kids aren't expensive at all. That's, yes, that's what I've heard. That's fine. what I've heard. <laughs> and listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Trusted Partner Podcast. We want to start answering some of your questions on the show. So if you have an investing, a financial planning, a personal finance question, send that question to podcast at cobblestonecap.com. Once again, that's podcast at cobblestonecap.com. Thank you again for listening to the Trusted Partner Podcast. Mm-hmm.